you today, our God of comfort in a world of despair. And my focus is going to be on the first part, our God of comfort. I want to start with Isaiah's prophecy in Isaiah 40. Uh, we're just going to jump right in and read from verses 1 to 11. And then I'll do my best to unpack verse 1 and verse 11. And that's likely all that we'll have time for today. Isaiah 40 reads, Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem. Tell her that her sad days are gone and her sins are pardoned. Yes, the Lord has punished her twice over for all her sins. Listen, it's the voice of someone shouting, Clear the way through the wilderness for the Lord. Make a straight highway through the wasteland for our God. Fill in the valleys and level the mountains and hills. Straighten the curves and smooth out the rough places. Then the glory of the Lord will be revealed and all people will see it together. The Lord has spoken. A voice said, shout. I asked, what should I shout? Shout that people are like the grass. Their beauty fades as quickly as the flowers in a field. The grass withers and the flowers fade beneath the breath of the Lord. So it is with people. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of our God stands forever. O Zion, messenger of good news, shout from the mountaintops. Shout it louder, O Jerusalem. Tell the towns of Judah, your God is coming. Yes, the sovereign Lord is coming in power. He will rule with a powerful arm. See, he brings his reward with him as he comes. He will feed his flock like a shepherd. He will carry the lambs in his arms, holding them close to his heart. He will gently lead the mother sheep with their young. This is such a well-known passage, isn't it, um, of Scripture. And obviously, uh, John the Baptist, when he first was on the scene, uh, was directly referring to, um, to these verses. Um, I really was struck with this word picture of God being a shepherd to us and someone who brings us great comfort, but also that he's calling um, in this case, Isaiah, but also I think people in general to be prophetic in terms of speaking a word of comfort to the people around him, God's comfort. Um, at any point along the way, I want you to just be feel free to just jump in, engage, ask questions, put out your comments. I'll try to follow along if I can here. Um, and I just would love to um, be as conversational in this respect as we can be. Um, when Isaiah first spoke these words out to his people, I'm sure even he didn't have the faintest inkling of the magnitude of this portent, this signpost of not just the future redemption of the Israelites, but also the eternal redemption 
of humankind forever and ever. As is often with scripture and always with prophecies, there is so much more here than meets the eye and so many layers of meaning. I'd like to consider these verses in light of us today, nearing the end of 2020, in the midst of a pandemic and getting closer to Christmas. And to the God who is introduced here, the God with us, who is the God of all comfort, the great shepherd of our souls. I imagine that to the people listening to Isaiah, this must have been like hearing his words, but having little, if any, rational understanding of the prophecy. Um, but almost more like a baby, understanding the tone and the tenor of the heart of his message, perhaps clearly. In the 1600s, an English Puritan named John Trapp said of this text, Here beginneth the gospel of the prophet Isaiah, and holdeth on to the end of the book. You don't often hear that, hey, the gospel of Isaiah. Many theologians have noted that beginning in Isaiah 40, the prophet's message shifts significantly from that of worldwide desolation to worldwide restoration, as if the latter chapters of Isaiah are a type of New Testament um, of Isaiah. Here's a cool little fact for you today. The Bible has 66 books in total, and Isaiah happens to have 66 chapters. The Old Testament has 39 books, and the New Testament has 27 books, which just so happens to correlate to the number of chapters in Isaiah before and after this shift from desolation to restoration. This is one of the remarkable aspects of scripture study. You find these astonishing layers and linkages, and the more you study, the more that you find. It's kind of like a treasure hunt, I find. I'm always thankful when I get the opportunity to share a message with you, um, because I learn so much. And so there's, there's a bit of a, <laughs> a piece of selfishness here for me in that, um, in that I always feel like I come away with having gleaned um, a whole lot when I get to share a message with you. Hello to Connie. Anyways, that was a fun little rabbit trail. I guess Dave's not the only one who goes down rabbit trails. <laughs> uh, let's wade in here just a little deeper. I believe that God is speaking a message of comfort to us. Of course, every Christmas we remember the angels' words as we sing of tidings of comfort and joy. The angels' words were, Don't be afraid, for I have come to bring you good news, the most joyous news the world has ever heard, and it is for everyone, everywhere. This message was heralded by Christ's conception, and it has rung in our hearts ever since then. But I also think this message is particularly relevant to 2020, to us right here, right now. It's what I would call a rhema word, if you know what I mean. I grew up in a charismatic expression of the Big C Church, a word faith variety where often a distinction was made between a rhema word and a logos word. Um, the word word 
is translated into those two words in the Greek New Testament. Are you following me still? <laughs> the distinction between these two, at least in the circles that I grew up in, was understood like this. Logos is the general word of God that communicates God's ability to do something or God's general will on a matter. While rhema is the word the Holy Spirit quickens to a specific person in a specific situation. I have often understood this distinction to be the Logos word of God on the pages in my Bible and the rhema words of God that have come alive in my heart. Both are God-breathed and in alignment with one another. Anyways, that's a bit of another rabbit trail. I say all that to say that I believe God is speaking this message of comfort particularly to us this year, this month, and even today. I recently heard a message that felt pointedly disciplinary in tone and tenor, and it grieved me significantly. This isn't to say that there aren't moments, seasons, and particular situations where a message of constructive criticism and even rebuke is entirely appropriate. I'm just sensing myself that, broadly speaking, this is not the season for that kind of a message. I may be wrong. Regardless, this truth remains. God is revealed throughout Scripture, introduced here by Isaiah and articulated by Paul so many years later as the Father of mercies, the God of all comfort, and the great shepherd of the sheep. So, yes, God has a message for us, and we have a message for God's people, for all people. Today, God says to me, and he says to you, comfort. Comfort one another with gentle, compassionate words. Speak tenderly from the heart to revive each other and proclaim that our warfare is over. Our debt of sin is paid for, and we will not be treated as guilty. Prophesy to one another that we have received from the hand of Yahweh twice as many blessings as all of our sins. This is such good news. Hello to Anita. The word comfort that we've translated comfort in English in Hebrew in the Old Testament and in Isaiah um, is a word called nakam and it means properly to draw one's breath forcibly by sighing, panting, groaning and then to lament or to grieve and lastly it means to take vengeance. This word in Hebrew has been translated into our English words comfort, ease, and even repent. Nakam is a deeply emotional word signifying the obtaining of relief by means of repentance, taking vengeance, or administering consolation. God comforted Israel through Isaiah. Your calamities will come to an end. God is coming and he will rule like David did, the shepherd king. God comforts us today as well. 
And I believe this is what he says to us. Don't worry. These difficult days are going to come to an end. I'm coming. I'm right here. I will lift you up and carry you in my arms, holding you close to my heart. Let me gently lead you. So much more could be said here, such as developing the theme of God's care, especially for the folks we might call at risk, the very young and the very old, those less strong and healthy, physically, mentally, socially, financially, and spiritually, and also their caregivers. Suffice to say, for right in this moment, each of us are in some respect in this at-risk category. And even if we aren't right now, we will be one day soon. As such, we can rest assured God is our source of comfort. He's the generative force easing our suffering, relieving our troubles, strengthening our tired bodies and souls, and encouraging our mental and spiritual health. If ever we need comfort, it feels like to me, it is now. Um, as we have heard again and again, for all those alive today, we are in unprecedented times. We are heading into a Christmas season where, perhaps for the first time, we will be unable to celebrate in person with some of those that we hold very dear. For many, daily, weekly, and seasonal rhythms and routines have been significantly disrupted. For some, personal losses, such as the loss of a loved one, or the loss of one's health, or the loss of employment, has put great strain on mental and physical health. For all of us, COVID-19 remains a threat. This unforeseen foe that could jeopardize our own lives or those of the ones we love. This year, I think, Advent takes on new meaning as we wait together for a shift in our current reality. Perhaps more so than ever before, we can identify with those living in the time of Jesus who were waiting for their Messiah, such as Simeon did, an old man who trusted that he would not see death until he saw the appearing of the one called the Refreshing of Israel or the Encourager of Israel or even the Consolation of Israel. And he did. He did. And when he did, he cradled this baby in his arms and he praised God and prophesied that God's promise to him had been fulfilled. With my own eyes, I have seen your word, the Savior you sent into the world. He will be glory for your people Israel and the revelation light for all people everywhere. While we wait in this season, let us rest assured that God is comforting us and urging us to comfort one another. Practically speaking, how does this comfort look, smell, taste, 
sound and feel? I think this answer might be different for all of us. And if any of you who are listening in right now um, want to just put out there what your answer to that question might be, that would be fantastic. As I was thinking about how I experience and share comfort, here are a few things that came to my mind. I often think of comfort primarily in the words that God shares with me and the words that we share with one another. Proverbs 16.24 relates how kind words are like honey, sweet to the soul and healthy for the body. Isn't that such a great word picture? I kind of like honey. I don't know about you. Um, sometimes the simplest of words bring the most comfort, too. Some words like, I hear you. Your opinion matters to me. I appreciate you. Or maybe even, I was wrong and I'm sorry. Two specific words, uh, situations, come to mind when I think of the comfort of words to me personally. In the three listening prayer sessions of which I've been privileged to be part of, um, God has always spoken words of great comfort to me. One phrase that I refer to again and again is, relax, I've got you, baby. God spoke that to me, and I come back to that phrase again and again in my heart when I need it. When addressing hurts from our past, God sometimes speaks in language developmentally appropriate to the time frame of when that hurt happened, hence why the simplest words are often the most powerful in terms of our healing and our comfort. I don't know if you've experienced that or not, but I have multiple times, and I've talked to other people who have also experienced that. More recently, I have begun having sessions uh, with a spiritual director, a lovely elderly lady named Chris, who is part of a vineyard church in New York. We spend an hour together about once a month on Zoom, and for some reason, the simple act of her asking thoughtful questions listening well, and then engaging with what I have shared is deeply moving to me. That time and space that we set apart intentionally is embodied with the gift of God's presence, just as the listening prayer sessions that I've been part of have also been, and it is powerful. Barb says, Jesus wants to comfort all during this time. It is very timely. It's true. Sometimes the simplicity of silence brings as much comfort to us as words do, especially in busy days or seasons. And I highly value quiet time I spend in nature, although these days I'm often spending that time with my family, so it's a little less quiet than a solitary walk or hike might be. A few months ago, I had the opportunity to hike up to a viewpoint overlooking the city, and I just rested at the top of the hill and prayed and soaked in the beauty all around me. As being outside is one of the few things we can still do together in this pandemic, 
in very small groupings. I think one of the best ways we can bring comfort to one another is to suggest connecting in nature together. I've been reading a few books about the importance of nature to us as humans, physiologically, emotionally, mentally, and spiritually. We need to be outside, engaging with our natural world. It's a gift God gives us to comfort us. Most of us are part of, I think all of us actually, in many respects, are part of what you might call an indoor generation. Um, often spending as little as 15 minutes outside as we're traveling from car to building. <laughs> um, frequently spending maybe 22 of 24 of our hours inside our homes or inside buildings of some kind. We do this actually to our own peril. Um, circadian rhythms, seasonal affective disorder, obesity, respiratory issues, and myopic vision are just a few of the consequences. So let's remember how God brings us comfort um, through the gift of nature that he's given us. I find that um, habits and rhythms in general bring comfort into our lives, helping us feel safe and satisfied. This is especially true when parts of our lives are disrupted. When children weren't able to attend school earlier this year, the structure of their home lives became that much more critical. Alternative forms of ritual, liturgy, ceremony, and service play a huge role in this pandemic in helping us find a sense of balance and equilibrium. And as we've mentioned many times before, we're all just finding our way here, aren't we? Um, the learning curve is still perpendicular. <laughs> and so sometimes we catch it and it really works well and other times we don't. Since March, um, Brent and I have had four people who have been dear to us um, that have passed away. Uh, when we cannot gather as we normally do to grieve and process these major life milestones, together, it's imperative that we find other creative ways to be part of our community. Brent's cousin, Lisa, um, a woman younger than him who lives in Ontario and who fought cancer and other serious health issues for her entire life, recently died. Her death felt tragic in that she fought so hard for so many years and experienced quite a few wins along the way as she persevered. She leaves behind her husband, Danny, and her son, Brandon, and their heartbreak will echo throughout the rest of their days. They held a memorial service and live streamed it on Facebook. And we participated from the comfort of our kitchen, tears streaming as we fed our children breakfast. Brandon, Lisa's son, spoke of his regret that he'd been unable to see his mother in the hospital due to COVID-19 for much of her last few months of life. I think he had one opportunity about a week before she passed away. And he just said, what can you do in one little moment of time to say goodbye? Another one of Brent's cousins read aloud a love letter that Danny, Lisa's husband, had written to his wife. 
somehow, even though we couldn't be physically present with our loved ones, witnessing their words shared online still helped us tremendously in marking the enormity of this loss in our family. So let's take care and be thoughtful and intentional about our habits and our rhythms, um, especially in this season, as well as in our participation in um, forms of community that we can. I won't, but I could spend another whole sermon's length of time exploring how God's rod and staff comfort us as Psalm 23 illuminates. I spent a bit of time because I wasn't familiar with much of the information around all that um, as I was studying and preparing for today. Maybe another day. <laughs> I won't, but I could go on and on in a list of the ways in which God comforts us and we bring comfort to one another, including, of course, the great balm that Scripture can be, the solace of good food, the cheer of music, and the soothing of our spouses, sexually and otherwise, the solace of children, and even pets, I think, for some, just in their physicality and their immediacy, even their need for us, just helps us stay present in the moment and focused. Not to mention, their hugs and their cuddles and their loves can just be the best thing ever. I'm quite sure that each of you listening now or afterwards um, has a story or probably many that you could share about moments when God has brought great comfort to you or moments when others have done so well. I think we must be aware though, too, of the siren lull of false comforts especially the ones that our culture embraces and, and makes normal. Let's be wary of offering empty platitudes to friends. Of course, no one intends to do so, I think, most of the time. Um, but it does happen sometimes, and it can be hurtful. Let's actively resist the draw to addictions, especially in this season by not allowing a substance or a behavior to mask our desperate need for God and for one another. Let's choose to withstand the urge to consume just for consumption's sake by stepping out of the economy of buy more now so that you can feel good now. And this is especially important at Christmas. By God's grace and God's grace alone, may we be a people who lean into Christ and allow his perfect strength to be made perfect in us, even in our weakness. I want to finish by reading 2 Corinthians 1, 3-7 to you. I believe these are words of comfort and encouragement for us today. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is our merciful Father and the source of all comfort. He comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort others.
when they are troubled, we will be able to give them the same comfort that God has given us. For the more we suffer with Christ, the more God will shower us with his comfort through Christ. Even when we are weighed down with troubles, it is for your comfort and salvation. For when we ourselves are comforted, we will certainly comfort you. Then you can patiently endure the same things we suffer. We are confident that as you share in our sufferings, you will also share in the comfort that God gives us. That's such a rich text, isn't it? And I felt like there was such a beautiful picture of the more that we're suffering or challenged with or troubled with, the more God will step in and provide his comfort. And that then we can extend that to the people around us as well when they are wrestling. I want to just finish in some prayer. Will you pray with me? souls. You know us better than we know ourselves. When we are slipping, support us with your unfailing love. When doubt fills our mind, give us renewed hope and cheer by your comfort. May the desert places in our hearts one day blossom like Eden as you grow your garden within us. As a mother comforts her child, come and comfort us today. May your words give us patience to endure this season of waiting. May your spirit, our advocate who never leaves us, comfort us, strengthen us, and lead us into all truth, reminding us of everything that you have promised. May we be your prophets in our culture, crying out the good news that although we may feel like we are withering and fading, God's word, our bread, our life, our comfort stands forever. Come, feed us, carry us, lead us on. Though we may be weak and wobbly, you are coming in power, and you are here in love. We receive you today, Jesus. Amen. I want to just thank you. Um, thanks to you guys who joined in today, and thanks for those of you listening in afterwards. We are really blessed, aren't we, with one another um, in this season, and so blessed with our ever-present God, who's right here with us. And I just hope, especially in this season of Christmas, when um, it's almost like the joys are more joyous, and that trials and, and challenges and even the isolation and loneliness that people feel on regular in regular years much less in this year feel also more sort of exacerbated um, 
may God comfort us and may we really receive um, into the very depths of ourselves his comfort and then may we extend that to one another um, and I bless you to do so